0: Good morning to you. We'll going back to that whole ring road situation. Dr. Brian Caulfield joins us, Associate Professor and Head of the Department of Civil and Structural Engineering in uh, Dublin. And we'll also be joined by Senator Pauline O'Reilly who joins us on the line from there. Uh, today also we'll be looking at other issues including the ASTI are very concerned Marith Farrell is very concerned also and by the way people are being treated we'll be looking at that on today's programme uh, We're going to go to Woodford for one of those um, segments as well on today's programme and also a lovely story coming out of Ireland West Airport Knox, stay tuned for that and more to come between now and 12 midday Comet lines on 086 38 33 553 with thanks to Rationale Windows 091 77 0077. A very good morning to you. Now, a very good morning to you to Welcome into today's programme. We are with you right through until 12 midday. Um, today's the day I think we need to take a breath. A breath when it comes to the outer ring road. And um, I say take a breath and I mean that with a height of respect to a lot of people. But do you know what? My head has been fried because I was at it until late last night, listening to people and talking to people and seeing both sides of the argument and the rights and the wrongs and the emissions and the no emissions and people getting stuck. And we have letters and we have emails. And to be quite honest, we could do a three-hour program for the next week on all of the material that we have. But I think we have to take a little bit of a breath. Now, the Minister did come out yesterday and quite quite strongly said uh, that the Ring Road cannot go ahead. Uh, because of the emissions in question. I also did, as I promised I would, because I could not the previous night, I did watch the Primetime Programme, which I found very informative, which was broadcast on Tuesday night last. And again, it was put together very well, and I have to say the content was quite educational, and everybody was involved in that. Uh, One of those people who was involved in that is Dr. Brian Caulfield, who's the Associate Professor and the Head of the Department of Civil, uh, Structural and Environmental Engineering. Uh, in Dublin and in Trinity College, where I was on Tuesday. A beautiful campus, I have to say. And he joins me on the line today. I have to say, in the primetime programme, he was the voice of reason. And he joins me on line one today, as does Pauline O'Reilly also. But, uh, Brian, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Good morning. You were the voice of reason, I have to say, on the programme. You're the voice of reason today. But I do think we need to take a breath because it's a little bit of hysteria has uh, crept in in relation to some decisions in the last 72 hours.
1: Yeah, I I, I can see that. I I actually lived in Galway 20 years ago, and from what I can see from visiting the city, that the traffic solutions haven't changed, the the congestion is still the same. Um, I do think a bit of, you know, reflection on what happened with the decision is needed. Um, I do think a better, you know, a reflection on the data that was collected for the strategy that was put forward is also required. However, underlining all of this is the people of Galway need a solution and they need a solution quickly. And they've been let down by their elected officials for for 20 years, from what I can see, something needs to happen. I don't think it is maybe that the road that is planned. I do think that we it would be good to throw everything at public transport, and then see what can be done with the the, the around um, city traffic. would be Would be one of the things that I would think about. But you're right. You know, it's cold comfort for me saying something like that when when a lot of your listeners are probably stuck in traffic trying to get to work or school or crashes or whatever it is. They
0: are, but I mean, could just to summarize, we've got the the west of the city. So we have where we we all live. Well, a lot of people live not we all. And then we've got the east of the city where the factories are that people are working in and the multinationals and all of that. And we have to come over, uh, like I have to do every morning, you have to come over the bridge and um, there's only the one bridge. Um, and you, you said there that they've been let down by their elected representatives uh, for 20 years. I think it's been about 30 or 35 years because that bridge was mid 80s or early 80s that it opened. And since then, nothing has happened because there's been problem after problem after problem when it comes to planning, I don't actually think it's the elected officials. True,
1: yeah, planning is is one of one of the issues around this, and I suppose that's where this is going to end up now, and it is where it is um, uh, in in terms of the uh, it going back to on board planola. But you know, I do think a bit more leadership could have been could have been shown by the elected officials in this city and to you know to to look at the alternatives. I think always. From my experience, at least when I lived in Galway and, and talking about this road, it was always something that was going to happen, this, this outer bypass, and the you know the public transport alternatives weren't really considered. One of the things that's in the strategy is a light rail system that would traverse the city and, and would take a lot of that traffic. To me, that's the, bit, the, the bigger thing. Like, if we go down, say, 10, 15 years into the future and this road is built and there's a lot of traffic using it, 10, 15 years into the future we're going to have to be changing completely how we drive. So we build this road, and then you may end up having to, you know, find a ways to get people to stop using it because of the emissions and because of the cost of motoring, um, which is likely to be in in, in the future. So to me, we've, we've it seems as if we have a chance at the moment to, to, to rethink what we're going to do on Galway. And I, I do think public transport would be, would be the thing that future generations would thank, thank the city leaders for.
0: Can I just pause you on the public transport, and um, I'll get to Pauline Riley very shortly. Just pause you on the public transport. I mean, if you take the village that I live in, and it's a small enough village, but there's about 120 cars coming out of it on a daily basis, between 120, 150, depending on the day, and they leave in the morning time and they come back in the evening time. Because we don't have public transport. We don't all work together. Uh, you know... So what, what do I, I'm personalising this, so what do I do tomorrow morning with public transport to get to work? I'm 60 years of age, I'm not fit enough to cycle, so how do I get to work?
1: It, it, I suppose that's the thing that's required, that, that, that they, the the planners for the city need to look at this public transport, need to look at where you live and look at those 120 cars and how do you get those off the road, how do you develop a flexible bus service for something like that? You're right. Not everybody can cycle. I don't cycle in Dublin. I use the bus in Dublin. But
0: you've got a very good bus service, though.
1: Well, the bus service that I use to get into the city is one every half an hour. Um, And it it is very dependable. And if I walk further, I can get a Lewis. Yes, I I would have those options. But that's the kind of thing that's needed in cities like Galway. All of the regional cities, that's what they need. Um, If you you account all of the public transport trips that take place in a city in Ireland, 90% 90% of them happen in Dublin. The regional cities have very low public transport use. That's because they've been underserved for decades.
0: But if you take it, I mean, so what you're saying then is that parallel to all of these applications going back 30, and now I'm, we're going back 30 years on this road, so we're, um, and we're going back through successive governments, successive councils, successive general elections and, and representation from there. So this is going on nigh on 30 years, so it is. So you're saying in that 30 year period, parallel to that should have been the public transport?
1: Definitely, definitely. That's that's what should have been happening. And there is a window now that, we, that, that, that the city could do that. Um, the only transport solution that could happen in Galway in the next two or three years is more bus services. You know, we're not going to build a light rail. We're not going to build um, uh, the, the road either. Um, Bus services could happen. More bus services could happen. More flexible bus services. Look at what you, your your own example of 120 people are leaving. You know, within say maybe two hours of each other, and going back within two hours of each other. It's not beyond us to plan public transport services
0: mm-hmm. um, um, for that. We don't even have a bus stop at the end of the road. Stay with you if you don't mind. I know you're busy too, but I want to bring in Central uh, Pauline Riley on this. Um, Pauline, your your um, thanks for joining us today. But your leader yesterday made the statement in relation to that this is going nowhere.
2: Yeah, and um, you know Keith, uh, um, and you will have seen me on prime time as well um, on Tuesday, and. Uh, you know, I think I think really that what people in Galway deserve is a level of honesty, and I do think that many people, you know, many of the political leaders in Galway have known for a long time that this road wasn't really going anywhere, um, and unfortunately, they've you know they've had their entire political campaigns around building it. There've been so many announcements of it's finally happening, um, but you know. I could see that it it was nowhere near happening, if it was ever going to happen. Uh, And I did hear Eamon O'Cueve on yesterday, and look, I I have respect for Eamon. He does a lot of good work. We may disagree on some things, um, but, you know, I do think that it's unfair to say that uh, now all of a sudden we've got this climate action plan. I mean, it was written into the National Development Plan three years ago nearly that, this road and indeed lots of roads would be dependent on uh, an examination against the climate action plan but also against how much money we have. Um, There's there's, there's, there's a limited pot, Uh, how are you going to spend it and are you going to spend it on a road that actually will make Galway even harder to get around by public transport. And, you know, people will say, well, move the cars out of the city and move them somewhere else. But yeah. the entire point of of transport, public transport, is you don't move the cars anywhere other than the driveway. You move people onto the buses and get them through the city. And we have had a real problem in Galway. And you, as you know, Keith, I live on the west of the city. I, I know exactly the problems because um, I face the same myself. We have had a problem with a completely irregular bus services, you know, not enough bus stops, not not enough shelters, not real-time information um, and uh, buses that don't go over the Quincentennial Bridge, for instance. Yeah, but, but um, for all me? of these things have been known as well as, as everything else for decades and nothing was progressed and so what we want to do, including Minister Ryan, <coughs> is to progress that public transport. Those are the bits that we can we can do something about, and actually, will really transform Galway to be a better place to live and a more modern place to live. That, uh, but that really respects okay. you know Galway as a city and doesn't try to sprawl all over the place. Um, with you know industrial estates miles away from Galway, so nobody ever touches the city.
0: Um, okay, but can, we, can so, we go back to the go back to the honesty situation mm-hmm. here? Um. And maybe now that honesty situation that we're talking about is only sinking in with people. But I know of successive people, including the current chief executive of Galway City Council, that has put their life and soul into trying to get alternatives uh, and working with alternatives on a parallel basis. But unfortunately, then you've got the likes of TII and other departments that mm -hmm. are, are not playing ball when it comes to Galway. And that's, yeah. that, that is a problem because if you take the license for buses coming out of Noctecara, your own area, I mean, it's a quagmire and, and, and other areas as well. But I mean, honesty, we have to sit back down and breathe this morning and take the honesty in and say, OK, we will not have, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but we are certainly not going to have any kind of, any kind of a ring road at all for at least 10 years.
2: Uh, you're you're not wrong on that. You're not wrong, but so I mean, I, and I don't want to be that. personal no. about you know I I don't want to be personal about the chief executive, but but I I do think that um, nobody has been putting their heart and soul into public transport in Galway, and that is the problem. Like that, it it is a small city. It's a relatively small city, and you look at other cities around it? the world, it, and they they simply haven't been allowed to stagnate the way that Galway has. I believe that light rail is ultimately the solution. For Galway, it's a narrow city which could be very well served by light rail. Oh, what, what? Um, and indeed, before I went on prime time on Tuesday, I um, met with again with the light rail group. They've already met with Eamon previously, and um, and brought our transport spokesperson along to that meeting. Before I went on air yesterday, myself and Eamon Ryan sat down and discussed again light rail. But Brian is correct in the short term; it is buses. Bus Connects, as you know, it's out for public consultation at the moment. Cycling lanes, there's supposed to be 11 going through, but that needs to be progressed very, very quickly. It also means that councillors who have been there again for decades, some of them, and, you know, some are now TDs, um, they need to get behind some of those solutions and not block them as well. And and I do know from speaking to city officials that there is a frustration there around people blocking things um, because it will mean taking car parking spaces away. Like ultimately that's what we're talking about here, but that's the way that you can get cars through. Like a car can't drive through a parked car, a bus can't drive through a parked car. So, you know, there has to be a bit of give and take here.
0: I have to let you go into the channel you have two minutes to get there uh, but thank you for taking a yeah. call today that's Senator Pauline O'Reilly Brian just back to you again I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm talking about this taking a breath and and not panicking but my my estimation of 10 years minimum uh, for a road so I'll be 70 71 I'll be um am I right or wrong?
1: It, it would seem that way um with, with the planning processes and with how long it would actually take to construct that road and um, the, the tunneling that would be required as well, I would imagine that that, that that's probably you know a ballpark um that, that that it would take to build it um but equally like you know it would probably take about the same amount of time to build the light rail that the, the senator was talking about
0: yeah, but there's simpler light rail systems, and to be honest, the glues team that are in Galway headed by Mort Coleman. And Brendan Holland in, in Galway. They've been they've been going on about this for thirty odd years. And I think thirty years ago people thought they were mad in the head, cracked altogether. Um but we'd it would be running for twenty years if it was taken seriously thirty years ago.
1: There are so many transport projects like that across the state, you know, that if we had done them when we when they were cheap to do and viable to do, that they would be up and running for, 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 for decades. And how great would it be to have a light rail system that connected Galway, um in, in the way that those, uh, in the way that the Columbus Group are looking at, um, it's just I suppose that an, an awful lot of transport projects, you know, it's paralysis by analysis in, in some cases. But then there's also the objections, governments change, and all of these things result in big transport projects becoming political footballs. Mm.
0: We won't solve it today, but thanks for your input into it. Dr. Brian Caulfield, Associate Professor in Trinity there. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Keith, throughout all of the discussions I've heard about the bypass, I've not heard anyone point out that there are very few cities like Galway bordered to the south by the sea and constricted by the corrib to the north. It's a very unique pinch point that that can only be avoided unlike sorry that cannot be avoided unlike in other towns and cities keith it's also not only about the residents of the city but the tens of thousands living in connemara I'm one of them uh, who need to get to remote parts of the east of the country or indeed county uh, for work sports deliveries collections visits etc and vice versa and keith anyone who suggests that providing better public transport will solve the problem is completely deluded this caller said Another caller said to us, Keith, uh, up here on the left-hand side. And again, the number, our new number is 086 38 33 with thanks to Rationale Windows. Keith, not a mention of a homeowner's left in limbo. Anyone living in the country needs a car. The city dwellers have lots of transport options, but city dwellers have cars parked outside their homes. When I woke this morning, which I did quite early, I have to say, I actually thought of the homeowner's. And I know that uh, Deputy Noel Grealish has been representing the homeowners for quite some time. We failed to contact them this morning to see how are they feeling. But there's 42 homeowners that are affected by today's discussion. And there were a similar amount of people affected in the previous Outer Ring Road or Bypass, whatever it was called. And they were left in limbo for far too long.
1: away, Talks. In association with
0: Tesco, click and collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Now, very good morning to you. lines are quite busy today. It took me three hours on the bus to get from Salt Hill to Oranmore. How could it take you three hours on the bus to get from Salt Hill uh, to Oranmore? Please, would you come back and tell us that, uh, if you don't mind. And uh, I got an email overnight. Hi Keith, my name is Emma. I'm a student in NUI Galway and I'm writing an article on where students used to eat in Galway. So, if any listeners that were students in Galway, could you could they tell you where they used to eat? It would help me greatly altogether. Even if people who didn't study in UCG or the RTC but knew of cheap eats uh, in town uh, that have since closed down, it would be a huge help to me. And that comes from Emma. So, kind of that got the old um, mind thinking. Uh, do you remember those Marcel's up in opposite the hospital? at Supermax now, I think. But have you any memories of eating in Galway as a student or a young person or an old fella or otherwise? Like me, I'm just talking. Um, but um, yeah, there used to be a place, it was the Wimpy that was downstairs, and then there was Light in the House. And uh, there wasn't many in town. Marcel's was one of the first um, kind of restaurants like that. Air House started. Anyway, if you have memories like that, would you be good enough, please, uh, just to send it into our text line 086 38 33 3 or comments at GalwayBFM.ie? Deputy uh, Maurice Farrell is on the line to us uh, today. Um, Maurice, good morning to you.
3: Good morning, Keith. I have to say, I can't remember exactly where I used to eat <laughs> when I was in NUIG, but I think I just ate in the canteen. If that's any use to the, <laughs> the student doing the research,
0: give your father a ring and see where did he eat, because I remember, <laughs> I remember a, lo- a lot of them. So I do, I do remember a lot of them. But I think Leiden House was, where you went down the little alleyway and there was Gertie and there was. Josephine and a gang of others working in there. Oh God, you're bringing back memories. Come here to me. You are very upset about small rural businesses being uh, discriminated against by the temporary business energy support scheme. Why do Why do they complicate everything?
3: Well, I mean that that's probably <laughs> that's a quite a good question, Keith. And look, I, I'm obviously conscious that people are incredibly frustrated as well with. Um, what they heard i suppose over the last 24 hours in galway with regards to ring road so i'm I'm conscious of that too and um, but look i suppose when it comes to um when it comes to this business support and you know they like to give loads of different acronyms as well so this is called the t which is a mouthful in the sense that it's the temporary business energy support scheme um but this particular scheme um it, you know is there to obviously assist businesses so obviously we know right that businesses have had a really difficult time <coughs> between having COVID and then Obviously, um, the whole, you know, the war in Ukraine and, uh, and inflation in general has really had an impact. And I've been contacted as well as my colleague, Rose Conway-Walsh in Mayo, has been contacted by businesses in rural Mayo and, uh, and rural Galway about this LPG gas that they're using or, or oil and that they're not able to get... They're not, they're um, not
0: included, yeah.
3: Yeah, they're not getting assistance from this energy support scheme. And people are coming to me, and look, it's something that myself and Rose Cameron Walsh have raised in the Dáil, um with the ministers directly to say, look... You know, sometimes, in fairness, when you put together some kind of a scheme, you might accidentally, you know, m- miss something, or or you're putting it together in a hurry, and and you can't um, get it exactly right. But at this point now, it's months on, and it doesn't seem that there's any kind of uh, there's I suppose no will from government um, to to amend it to allow um, those businesses that are using oil or those who are using the LPG gas to get that um, assistance. So just to, so just course, to,
0: just to put this in simple terms, then, if you take uh, say the Ordillon Hotel or the Hardyman or Park House or otherwise, they may be using kerosene to heat the house or to heat the hotel in question. So they could be using kerosene. That's not allowed. Uh, or they, they, they can't get any relief on that. And if they're using uh, gas, the LPG that's delivered and they have a big gas tank, they can't get any of the relief on that either. So it's it's very yeah, exactly. it's very much directed towards electricity.
3: It is, but it's also then obviously the metered gas. So, say, the metered gas that people will get in, in, in Dublin and that, you know. So that's where I kind of feel the kind of more rural isolated areas are kind of being hit harder in that sense. Um, so that, that's, I suppose, where the concern has come. And I might even ask, Keith, you know, if there are businesses that are listening that are having difficulties with this, um, with this particular energy support scheme, I'd really appreciate if they did get in contact with me and let me know the difficulties that they are having. And I know a lot of the businesses that I've been talking to, you know, they, they, they're they saying, you know, they're, they're thankful of the support that they're getting. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, people would be kind of hesitant to speak out and say, look, this is an issue that's really an impact on my business. Um, but the reality is, unless, you know, uh, unless people tell us and they can do so anonymously, we can't raise that issue and, and try and get it rectified. So I think that's kind of a crucial point um, to be made. And the reality is, you know, people talk, the reality is for small businesses, like small businesses really are, you know the employers of, of of small rural places, and it does have an impact on the wider mm-hmm. economy within within the with, within those rural areas. So I think that's um, something that you know really needs to be understood by government and um, acted upon. It was something now. So when we raised it myself and Rose Conway Walsh in the Dáil, um last week, the, the minister, I, it was Jennifer Carmichael at the time, had said that there have been concerns in relation to auditing of it and that, you know, so for example, if you have electricity or if you have um, the metered gas, I assume it's it's very clear how much is going in at any given time or being used at any given time and that there's a difference there when it comes to the LPG gas or the oil. But of course, the thing is, first of all, obviously, you'd need to act, you know, and assume that people are, businesses are going to be acting in good faith because, you know, they literally yeah, are you, just trying you, to keep their doors open.
0: Yeah, but you do get your delivery docket and it says... Uh, you know, well, exactly. X, and you get X liters of of both. So you do so. Yeah. I mean, it's not as if people are going to claim for something that they didn't get. You get the receipt exactly. from the oil company. and You have it from there.
3: Yeah, exactly. And look, even if they did want to, uh, it was actually a proposal by uh, Rose. It was that even if you if you did want to, what you could do is just do the auditing, like audit a few, you know, and the, and then you can make sure that everything is going, um, well, is working correctly, because obviously you do have to be careful with public money, but I do think we 100%. need to be cognizant of the fact that yeah. really and truthfully, these businesses are just trying to keep their doors open and they, keep the people employed in the communities. Yeah, but these,
0: these businesses you're talking about have an annual audit that they have, and they lodge their accounts, so they will have their heating bills and their electricity bills and all of that, going back for 10, 15 years, 7 years, 10, 15 years, whatever. So there, there has to be a pattern there. So in 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, what were, they, what were they spending? And it shows the curve. I mean, look, it is not rocket science, right?
3: Yeah, and to be honest, I would absolutely agree with you on this, Keith. And I don't understand the hesitancy uh, from government um, in relation to this. You know, they've, they... They kind of said back, you know, in relation to revenue and that revenue have concerns. But look, I think at the end of the day, we need to, well, like we're living in very, very strange times. And to be honest, Keith, I'll never forget the day that I was I was driving somewhere and I was had you on and it was just before COVID had really hit. And you were talking to your friend in Italy and, and little did we know what was to come. But I think we've had been in such uncertain and, and such uh, sensational times in a lot of senses, you know, extraordinary times, I suppose, um, over the last number of years, that anybody that's been trying to keep the doors open, who's been trying to keep people employed, really and truthfully, um, we we should be trying to give them and uh, continue to okay. give them that ex- assistance because we do know that there has been a major knock-on impact for everyone. Look, we all see it now in our electricity bills. We all see it um, in, in, you know, okay. even just buying anything so like we do know there's a knock-on effect um, on, a, on business and employment then as a result.
0: You just reminded me, I haven't spoken to Des Covert in two years, I want to give him a ring and make sure that he's okay there. Uh, he was the man in question that I spoke to at the time. Can I go quick fire with you very quickly if you don't mind because I have three quick mm-hmm. questions I want to ask you. Um, are Sinn Féin in favour of the ring road?
3: Yes, absolutely,
0: yeah. St- uh, third, second question, so you will be in power after the next election apparently uh, and are you guaranteeing that whatever is necessary For Galway, transport-wise, be it buses, bicycles, electric bicycles, scooters, um,
3: or the Western Rail Corridor. Which, to be honest, Keith, right? One of the things that annoys me um, is that you know we've been talking about this ring road for absolutely decades, right? And the reality is that we're talking about it since
0: before you were born.
3: Probably yes, yeah. but I, I can only remember the last few decades. But the, I mean, the, the reality here is that we are being absolutely fa- failed in terms of public transport as well. And what I don't understand, and I don't know if you were listening to Morning Ireland this morning, and Ken, uh, Kenneth Deary from the um, Galway Chamber of Commerce was on, and he was talking about those people that commute into Galway. You know, not even Galwegians who you know commute from uh, Mayo and, and and further in the west. I mean, the Western Rail Corridor is something that um, it should be delivered. It makes absolutely no sense to me. That, that, okay. that that's I, I kind of infrastructure from a Green Minister is not being implemented when we're talking about incl- increasing public transport. <laughs> we also look at parts of the city like that that's being absolutely failed by bus services. We're seeing housing estates not being built because of the lack of public transport yeah. um, uh, 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 facilities. I mean, this is so we're being failed on every single count when it comes to transport in Galway.
0: Yeah, but we are, but where, who are we being failed by? Not by the the unfortunate people in Galway City Council, the councillors and oh, no, otherwise. We're being that. we're being failed by successive uh, governments in Dublin. I don't mean governments, but departments in Dublin. The West has been to hell or to connect, and that's been very evident for the last thirty odd years. We've been bereft of it when it came to health, when it comes to transport, when it comes to rail infrastructure. You're talking about the Western Rail Corridor we cannot handle the capacity coming from Athenryde currently or Oro and more in the stations. So we have to double well, track Well, look it. at Connemara,
3: for example. Yeah. I mean, I have a girl on tr- um, transition year or 50 year work experience with me at this very moment in time. And we saw it consistently over the last few months for those people who are, you know, who can't get housing in go city. So they're moving out to Connemara getting digs and that. And they, their bus brings them in after 9, a, 9 a.m., so this girl, Nicole, who's on, in with me at the moment, her bus doesn't get her in until after 9am. So people are missing, like, you know, then you can't, if you can't rely on that yeah. to bring yourself into work, you're only adding, obviously, to the, to the congestion by having to jump into your car. You're also um, taking, uh, putting a lot of extra stress on you, I as you know, Keith. I used to work down in Limerick for about uh, two or three years, and I I wanted to get the train down because it would make my life a lot easier being able to. And I live in my view, it's handy for me to get the train in. Down my train wasn't going to be getting me in until after 9 a.m. So I started working 9 a.m. What was I going to be doing? We see that then as well now, obviously with people living in Connemara. So it's just. there's some times where you just think a little bit of joint-up thinking could actually go a long way and we just seem to be failed in terms of joint-up thinking and any kind of vision. And sometimes I think, is it that that there's no vision of that things could actually work and things could actually be different? I mean, as you know as well, Keith, my mother's from Berlin. In Berlin, none of my cousins drive. Sure, they're all just, and first of all, they can all actually get housing in Berlin, so it's not like if you're in Dublin, but they, and they can get rented properties, but they, they can just jump on the train, they can jump on the bus, they know it's going to be on time, they know that it, it'll be regular. You know, those are the kind of things that we yeah. need. Like, okay. realistically, driving and having to drive long distance in your car every day, adds to your stress. It's not like that people actually think this is a great thing this is what I want to be doing. They want to be go- jumping on a bus listening to a podcast or jumping on a train and reading their book you know as, as most cities across Europe um, can do okay. but we don't have that here. So it, it, it's really frustrating for people.
0: Alright. I have loads more questions but I can't ask them because we have to move on today. Uh, thank you for joining us Deputy Maurice Farrell uh, thank you for joining us uh, today and I will I must make contact with Des Hubbard and make sure that he's okay
1: Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie.
0: Robert, good morning to you. Welcome in to today's uh, programme. The comment lines are all open if you want to get through to us on 091 And uh, you can also uh, text us to 086 3. Now, briefly, I want to go to Brian Kenning and Andrew O'Regan because a couple of months ago, Eldridge O'Reilly joined us when we were talking about Woodford and uh, they were honoured at the National Pride of Place Award. And the two gentlemen joined me online. Gentlemen, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning Keith. Oh God, you should be in a boy band, the two of you. Brian, I'm going to start with you today. The Laurencetown Community Development Group were honoured indeed with the prestigious award on Saturday the 21st of uh, January. Congratulations, and I know that Eilish was uh, looking in from afar. Uh,
4: Yeah, thanks very much, Keith. Um, We were delighted to win the award. We were very excited on the night. Um, It was great recognition for the effort that the community made uh, to make our, our village, I suppose, a better place to live.
0: And a, a lot of work went into this, Andrew, um, just even for the visit of uh, the adjudicators, a huge amount of work went into
5: it. Yeah, Keith, that's right. Um, I suppose I, I primarily was in the school, but the uh, Community Development Group had a, a range of activities planned. Uh, they have so much, there's so much development that's gone on in the community, I suppose, they, they needed a mini bus to bring people around and show them everything that has been done and accomplished. But uh, like from from our point of view, um, like it was fantastic to see we had the adjudicators come down to us, and I think they were wowed well by the fact that uh, our 1940s building actually recently had a, an energy retrofit with solar panels and air-to-water heating system, and all installed in like such a historic building. And obviously, it's it's um, it's really future-proofed. And uh, also, I suppose a development in the school that they saw was uh, we've we've opened two special classes this year now, and um, our enrollments the last number of years have actually grown by fifty percent. And uh, we've become a much more inclusive and uh, vibrant school because of that and because of the help that we've got from the, the community, like they've encouraged us all the way. So, um, yeah, it's, it was, uh, that, was, that was really my take on it. But I'm sure Brian,
1: Brian can tell you more about the, the rest of the activities that went on that day.
0: Brian, I do remember speaking to her that day on the phone about something else altogether because she was heading off to Ukraine with, uh, uh, with supplies. Um, but there was Irish dancing, there was music, there was poetry and lots more.
4: Uh, yeah, uh, we had a range of activities on the day and I suppose um, there, was, there was so much stuff that's gone on in the village, I suppose. And uh, so much has happened in the last four or five years that um, like we had to even uh, narrow down our, our the amount of stuff that, um, that we could show them on the day because the, the visit was, was was scheduled for three hours, I think, on the day. But um, yeah, look, we took them on a the bus and we brought them to some of the stuff that we had done, the, the mausoleum that was done up um, there was another arch, uh, the the boardwalk down in in Kylemore. There were there. Delighted to I see that? Um, and then all the facilities up behind the school, the new childcare building, the new muga pitch, the walking track. And um, there was ladies there doing an activated pole class on the day. Um, and and then Andrew showcased the school. So yeah, it was a fabulous day, and I suppose um, we were delighted with the way it went went on the day. And um, I suppose we we thought the judges were impressed. So. Um, but I suppose still on the night we were still shocked that we won because uh, we couldn't we couldn't, be, we couldn't believe that we had the I suppose the best village in Ireland in that category. So.
0: Well, listen, you've put the work into it, and it is officially the best village in Ireland. So congratulations. Uh, have you stopped
4: celebrating,
0: Brian? At this stage, or is it still in the back uh, of the head?
4: No, no, we haven't stopped, Keith, and we're planning a, a, a proper village celebration uh, on the 18th of. Uh, February. So um, we invite all the community and all the surrounding communities who who are also great, um, you know, that helped us with all our activities and all all our fundraising and everything. So we appreci- really appreciate for, not just our own community but all the surrounding communities. Um, so they're all invited, and uh, there'll be more information on on our Facebook page about um, the activities for. For um, the 18th of February, so um, keep an eye
0: out for it. All right. Well, Larniston and Woodford honoured of the National Pride of Place Award. And uh, thank you both for joining us, Brian Kenny and Andrew O'Regan. When it comes to uh, places to eat, been bygone days. You got to pick a bucket or two days. You met that. You know those days. Uh, somebody said the Carib restaurant. Yeah, I remember going there uh, to the Carib restaurant. It's it was up over the cellar bar. Is where it was the Galleon in Salt Hill. Somebody else says. Uh, somebody else says I remember going to Pat's Chipper in Cross Street, his chips in town. Yeah, I well, Pat was he was an absolute gentleman. Lord rest his soul, but an absolute gentleman. Pat Fay was that his name? It was yeah, a gentleman of gentlemen. I have to say, and um, other calls coming into there in relation to Leiden House comes in there uh, quite a bit. Uh, the GBC comes in there quite a bit. GBC still there, uh, but where else? Have you memories of where you at? When you're going to college, going to school, secondary school, poles. Oh, god, yeah, Mrs. Hoy and Poles in the Four Corner. And she was another legend, so she was. Yeah, they had a lovely little coffee shop just where they in, at the back of Poles and it was there forevermore. And they did the finest of food in their sandwiches and teas and coffees. And Mrs. Hoy was there, Mama Hoy, that's what we called her. Uh, she was there. Uh, but somebody just said Poles in Galway. Uh, but text us uh, to that number, please, and let us know as to um, where uh, you ate when you were in Galway, please. Keith, all of the proposed solutions for the traffic problems in Galway are suffering from paralysis. The bus connects to Dublin and Toon Road. Bus corridors are taking far too long to deliver. The ring road was always going to take 10 to 20 years to deliver, so we're going to have to concentrate on what we can deliver. Uh, the above projects, along with Park and Ride and East, North, West, approach uh, roads to the city and a proper bus service uh, using bendy buses, etc., would go a long way to solving the traffic problems in the short term. This would need government departments, local government management and local politicians to work together. And yes, uh, the Western Rail Corridor uh, would also be an easy win. Just look at the uptake on the Galway to Limerick route. Now, Dublin-based economists and politicians take note. You were all wrong about that one day. Uh, Please don't read out my name, but that is the situation from there. Can't disagree with you on the other lines coming in here on the telephone line uh, today. Keith, when I was in college in 1966-67, I used to eat in the GBC in Shop Street. And there was a lovely girl there called Sarah who was waitressing. She was very good at her job. God bless your memory. And uh, Keith, I thought that interview was very one-sided. There was no one uh, on pro bypass. Uh, It's very biased. Keith, it also took me three hours on the same bus. Uh, to get from Salt Hill to Moore. So it does have a problem. Um, It it does cause a problem. And somebody else has been on to us, and this is quite a good question today. And maybe some theologian out there can answer it. By the way, if you think it's biased, that's your your view. You have your view, not a problem in the world. Um, But this is a good question. Does St. Bridget or St. Patrick have a surname? So could it be St. Patrick Morley? Or could it be St. Bridget Finnegan? Have they surnames? Can you find out for us? Can somebody tell us? Please, to the comment lines. Now, if you want to get through to us, uh, you can do so. You have to come at the programme, by the way. We have a number of other issues, including we're going back to that whole bypass situation or Ring Road or whatever, and the ASTI are very concerned about coming exams. So stay tuned for that and more to come on the programme today. We're with you right through until 12 noon. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you.